Hello, and welcome to episode 225 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfor-Stewart. A warm welcome to Natalie L., Nadine D., and Robert R. to the Modern Manager community. If you appreciate the show and it's contributed to your growth, I hope you'll consider becoming a member. For $5 a month, you can show your support and get the private podcast feed directly wherever you listen to podcasts. And that has extended interviews, so you get even more insights and learning. Go to themodernmanager.com slash join to learn more. Today's guest is Lisa McCarthy. Lisa is the CEO and co-founder of the Fast Forward Group, a training and executive coaching company based on the philosophy that when people are living their best lives, they do their best work. Clients include innovative companies of all sizes, including Amazon, Facebook, Google, and J.P. Morgan Chase. And prior to launching Fast Forward, Lisa spent 25 years leading sales organizations at prominent media companies, including Viacom, CBS, and Univision. Lisa and I talk about goals and establishing a bold vision. She shares why goals like these are important and walks us through her process that has helped over 100,000 people achieve their biggest dreams. Now here's the conversation. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. Thank you so much for joining me today, Lisa. I'm super excited to dive into this topic around goal setting because I think in four years, this might be the first time I'm actually talking about goal setting, which is crazy to me because it's such an important part of a manager's job. So thank you so much for coming today. Well, thank you for having us. I, I couldn't agree more about the importance of goal setting. So let's dive in. All right. So we both clearly acknowledge that goal setting is really important. But why is it so important? And does the process that we use for goal setting or the way that we architect our goals into goal statements, does any of that actually matter? Or is it just about like, you got to write something down? Well, it's, it's an interesting dynamic because we've had the opportunity to work across companies, small, medium, large industries and countries. And depending on the company, Some people are setting goals and some people are not. And some people are doing it because you have to get something in the system and then they never look at them again. And so when you do work with a ambitious, rigorous manager, you really have the opportunity to set goals that from our perspective address two things. So, So number one, people are wired to be risk averse. So in my 20 years of leading big sales and and marketing teams, people would rather under-promise and over-delivered. We're literally wired to play it safe. So the first point is how do we get people to play big and recognize that if they don't fully achieve their goals, that's not going to affect their compensation. That's not going to affect their, their reputation, regardless of what they might put in the system, which could be different. The second thing is that most people, uh, particularly a lot of the companies we work in, with in tech, media, finance, are thinking short term. It's very hard to zoom out and not only consider the short term, but literally stand in the future at least a year out and imagine 
what extraordinary looks like. And that ties back to this whole playing it safe thing. And, and the third thing is that pretty much in all of the companies I personally worked at and now the companies we work with is there's two things that are neglected. One is career development. And, and that's not always going to mean getting promoted, but really helping managers appreciate the importance of each individual wanting to feel like their manager cares, like they're going to grow while they're working on this team. And then the second thing is while managers will say, I really care about your well-being, there's no way to action that. So it's very important that we get people on our team, not only thinking long-term about their business outcomes, but also about their personal well-being. Most executives, particularly working in companies that are constantly changing, high pressure, always on, are deprioritizing their personal life, thinking this is what it takes to be successful. So those are really the three key things that we see in organizations of, of all sizes. So that's why, you know, how do we get people thinking long-term and, and focused on, on what we would call uncomfortable outcomes, but goals worth playing for. It's so interesting to think about goals, like the process of setting goals as a way to kind of stretch yourself. I mean, I think that's kind of like what I'm hearing is that it's not just like, okay, we want to accomplish certain things, but without the process of goal setting, we're not going to set our sights high enough maybe, or we're not going to intentionally develop ourselves or our people. And so we need this process of goal setting to kind of get ourselves into the right mindset and to stretch into that future that we we want, but we otherwise may not be able to achieve. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and one of the biggest things that gets in the way is what we call limiting beliefs. So one is playing it safe. And then two, we have constructed these beliefs over time, even if we're successful, dynamic people. And, and a lot of the beliefs about ourselves are about ourselves. And we'll say, I'm not smart enough to do that. I'm not creative. I'm not strategic. You know, who am I to play for X? And Another big one is I'm not as smart as everyone else here. You know, that's what happens when you put all these type A executives in one company. <laughs> and so we have to, before we even think long-term and bold, challenge some of those beliefs. Like, why not? Why can't I do that? Why isn't it worth playing for? Even if I fail, at least I tried. And you get one life. So I'm with you. It, one of our mantras is, how do you get more comfortable being uncomfortable? And I'm not talking about anxiety when we go to sleep at night. I'm, I'd like people to go to sleep feeling they played their best game uh, uh, all day, every day. But you have to choose to be uncomfortable if you're playing for big goals and or you know, radical change. All right. So we know that goal setting is something that we should do and that it's important to do and that it's going to do all these good things for us. So where do we get it wrong when we go about the process of goal setting, assuming that you even are setting goals to begin with? Yeah, I think a lot of people are not. If you think about most organizations, they are given goals to hit, right? We have to grow our book of business by 10%. We need to hit this revenue goal, this profit margin, this delivery time, this customer service, whatever. And we are always suggesting that while they're of course, they're going to be corporate goals, the PowerPoint that goes up to the top if you're a public organization. How do we get each individual with skin in the game? 
right? And how do we get them to think long-term? Most people are thinking about what do I need to do to get to Friday and keep my job and get dinner on the table if I'm actually, you know, serving dinner versus takeout. (laughs) And, And so it's, It's important to get people thinking long-term and you have to have rigor about it. Otherwise, people are going to write down or share general vague goals. Like our team is going to do X or we need to grow the revenue or we need to improve customer relationships or, you know, get to senior decision makers. And all of that is vague in general. And the more you can encourage your people to be bold, to be specific, to be measurable, then those goals will be a catalyst for action. They'll be a catalyst for doing things that are important, for saying no to things that are not, for making sure that you're reaching out to a client or a colleague on Monday versus Friday at three. I didn't, I didn't do that. So I think those are all the things that get in the way. Goals are important, but not urgent. Yes, yes. All right. So maybe you could start by telling us a story about a client that you worked with who went through your goal setting process and could actually feel the benefits that you just described. They actually saw how they got their people to think more boldly. They were able to prioritize their work better or whatever it was that they benefited from actually going through a process that was well designed to get them to those right goals for them. Yeah. Okay. So one example, I'm going to share one, but you know, there's probably 12 companies we've worked with this year that had the same challenges. So this is a large global tech company where a senior leader brought us in because he knew that his people were burning out and it was not sustainable. He was going to lose people. And he was one of those people. I don't think he was ready to walk out the door, but he could see like, this is, if if I'm getting four or five hours of sleep and neglecting my health and personal life, these people are not going to stay. There's a talent war out there. So he actually worked with the executive coach on our team and the breakthrough for him was, okay, if I am working and living with more intention, it is possible to deliver the business outcomes, to focus on the culture and to make time for the things that are what I'll talk about 10 years from now, my relationships with my family, my health and well-being. You never want to look back and say, if only. So we did a 10-week virtual workshop program. This is one of those companies that became work from anywhere during the pandemic and is still that way. And he really focused on how do I give this breakthrough experience? And really that begins with mindset, believing it is possible to not have it all, but to live and work with intention more broadly, more broadly, not only be up at night thinking about on-time delivery, but all the other things that are important to the people on his team. And so at the end of that, we did a pre-post on how people were feeling about their work, about their future, about themselves, about their colleagues. And and the results in the ROI were totally worth it for this leader. They saw a 33% increase in happiness and well-being, which is no small thing over 10 weeks, a 27% increase in focus and time management, and a 25% increase in thinking big and, and taking risks. And I think that beyond the stats, people felt a new loyalty 
to this leader and the company, like while they really care, they're investing in something that's broader than than the business. And so those are results from a pilot. And, you know, he's he's now given the program to 800 people, his colleagues are asking, how do I have what they're having? If you know the Harry Met Sally mm-hmm. reference. And um, so that's so that's one example, Mamie. Wow. I mean, that's incredible in terms of over 10 weeks, what changes you can create in your team or your company. Yeah, and, and I think it doesn't even address the team connection. And it's not only in virtual, it's even live. People are moving so fast. And a lot of times people are swimming in their own lane. And if they're connecting, it's about what needs to be accomplished now, what fire drill needs to be addressed. And back to the premise of our company, when people are living their best lives, they do their best work. Feeling connected as human beings to your colleagues, given the amount of time you spend there, is so valuable. And it's not often present. And I was so concerned after nine years or eight years of doing live programs that we could even create that vulnerable, safe space for managers to say, I don't know how to do this, or, you know, I'm struggling, or I don't really know how to, you know, ask for help. And so I think that this gave them the opportunity to do that. And again, not from the present, what do I need to improve or do, but from the future, how do I create a future where it looks radically different? And I believe that it's possible. All right. Well, can you walk us through at a high level? What is this fantastic goal setting process that you use and that you recommend others use? Yes, I can't wait to give it to people because we've had over 100,000 people do it. And my my greatest moment is when I meet someone that's declared a bold vision, which is the foundation of our work. And they've been doing it for years. They save their workbook. And this is a unique approach that people keep doing. So when we deliver a program, it's not just about doing the exercising and putting it a draw in a drawer. Our intention is that they do this every year for the rest of their career and life and share it with people that may not have the opportunity to to do the program. So the exercise is effective, it's efficient, and it's not wordsmithing, you know, a few sentences on what your vision is, which, you know, is painful for most people. So we start with the question, fast forward one year from today. And the question is, what does extraordinary success look like for you? Now, that's a broad question that most people are not thinking about. So we have seven questions which help people define this. And going back to the earlier theme, the first point is coaching people to say, this is about committing to outcomes that you would feel so proud to have accomplished for your professional life, for your personal life, even if you don't know how to get there, even if you could fail. And people, when they write their vision, are typically not going to achieve everything in it, but they will feel proud to have lived and worked with intention. But, you know, it's uncomfortable for most people to to do this, but the benefits are huge and your vision is for you. You may decide and we encourage you to share it with your team, to share it with your manager. And that's your choice. Predominantly, this exercise is about you having a North Star. It's about you having focus and inspiration throughout the year. You don't have to throw out your to-do list, but let's have a future that we're, we're playing for. And the most important thing 
is to get clarity. What is important? What is not important? If I'm a manager, it's really to define how how are we measuring the success of the team? And, and, you know, my experience is that a lot of times people aren't doing that. It's like drive growth, increase, you know, profit. And we're just very general. So the seven questions, you know, one question is what you'd expect in company goal setting. What were your professional, what were your business outcomes? Everybody's doing that. They may not be putting it into a system. They may not be measuring it, but that's a common question. What's not common is the six other questions. So as an example, the first question we look at is what are you known for? And it's whole life. What are you known for as a manager? What are you known for as a colleague? What are you known for as a parent if you are that? What are you known for as a sister or brother, as a daughter or son, as a friend? And one could say that how you show up is is one of the most important things, but who's really highly conscious of that? So that's the first question. And I always share a story that people remember for years, if not, well, I can't say decades because this is year 10 of the business. But I was, I think about 35. I had just had my second baby. I have three children. And coming back from maternity leave, totally unmotivated. So I signed up for this leadership seminar. And in that seminar, they not only said, you know, go out a year and what would extraordinary success look like, but they asked you to write your eulogy. And part of the exercise was interview people in your life about what are you known for? And it was a very, very confronting process because as I interviewed my family and my friends and my direct reports and my manager, there was one word, of course, there were some strengths mentioned, but the overriding attribute was you're known for being busy. And the reason I was known for being really busy is when people said, Lisa, how are you? I'd say I'm really busy in a very intense way. And I walked down the hall at hundred miles per hour with people following me to try to get my attention. And my friends had stopped calling me because they felt I was not going to be available. And as a result, I was at a crossroads. And while I certainly could have justified how I was showing up with a big job and a commute and two kids, I was not okay with that. And I actually printed out a picture of a tombstone that said busy. And I set out to create radical change. And I, I, created a bold vision at the time it was a eulogy, but this is literally still in my bold vision where I said, I am known for being calm and present, which makes a massive difference in my relationships. People feel heard and I'm spending time with people on, on what they're trying to accomplish, both, you know, business and, and personal. And that's what I did. And it wasn't easy. This didn't happen overnight. But I looked at, okay, if that's the future and how I want to show up, what do I need to change in the present? I need to speak slower. I need to walk slower. I need to proactively spend time with my directs in a way that they know I care with my family. You know, I have to pay attention to my husband. I'm sure many of you can relate. And and one of the things, and this has made a huge difference for our graduates, is I literally stopped saying the B word, which is busy. So when people now ask me or say, I know you're really busy, I say, you know, no, I'm in demand. I'm overly fulfilled, but I have time to do what's important. 
that's made a massive difference. And I, you know, there's thousands of graduates that are no longer saying they're busy, they're tired, they're stressed, they're overwhelmed because language creates reality. So that's one example of the other questions in the exercise, along with how did you grow and improve, which helps a manager focus on people's growth and not just the business outcomes. Describe the quality of important relationships. And and people are blown away by, okay, how do I bring the same level of rigor and, and intentionality to my health, to my relationships, to my finances? Because when people are living their best lives, they do their best work. Oh my gosh. First of all, that story is amazing. (laughs) And I love these questions because they really do get you to think Mm. about your life in a different way. And I can totally see how doing this as an individual could be transformative and just set your life down a path for the year with that, that guidance and that intentionality. I'm wondering if you ever have teams do this collectively to say, what do we want our team to be like? What do you know? What is our team going to accomplish? What are the relationships within our team going to be like? Have you done that as a group? So we have done that as a step two. We believe, and and so many people call us and say, can we start with a team vision? And our belief and our experience is that teams are made up of individuals. So in order to transform mindset and get people comfortable with being uncomfortable, that begins at an individual process. So we want people to, you know, stand in the future, dream in color, take on ambitions, you know, and that could be like, if I'm an entrepreneur and we did this ourselves, like wildly, you know, significant growth or culture change or getting married or having a baby or getting divorced or, you know, whatever, improving a relationship with you know that's causing you anger and frustration at at night so so you write your individual vision and we literally have samples of those and the seven questions on our website which your listeners can download then once you've experienced that for yourself and and part of our process is also to share it with at least one other person so that you're not just keeping it to yourself. Our first power principle of eight is declarable vision and share it so that you're then supported and accountable. And and a lot of managers have people, I just worked with an organization two weeks ago and one of their commitments coming out is each week in their team meeting, one person is gonna share their bold vision, which literally in 10 minutes, you totally get, okay, I know what Mamie is committed to. I know what she's playing for. I know where she's, you know, how she wants to improve and grow. And guess what? I'm going to help you. I'm going to appreciate you at a new level as a, as a human being. Then we move to getting back to your original question. Then we can move to, okay, what does success look like for our team? How do we really put language to a culture we're all excited to be part of. What are our customer satisfaction scores at a a group level? What do our clients say about us? So then you move to the team level. And by the way, the vision methodology is also relevant to a key account, to an important business initiative. The fundamental mind shift is what does extraordinary success look like at the end? 
And most people are starting with the present, focused on what do we need to do to achieve X. Our whole process is dream and color, play big, go a one year out, by the way, not five years out because that feels too fantasy. Let's go one year out. Even if I have a three-year business plan, let's go one year because that like makes it feel more real. And then let's check in with each other. So it's it's usually valuable individual team, project, initiative, cultural transformation. My favorite question is what does success look like at the end? Amazing. All right. Before we wrap up, I have one final question and then we'll We'll get to our wrap up here. So is there a particular way that these statements need to be architected or written? Like we have SMART goals. There's just different ways to kind of capture the ideas. Do you have a particular formula that is, you know, an A plus B plus C is the right way to write these statements? So number one, you need to define bold. We don't want fantasy goals, but we also don't want predictable goals. So, you know, Again, comfortable being uncomfortable. Also, let's get specific and measurable. We coach people to avoid words like more or better because we can't measure them. If you were spending, if you were more confident or forget about more, if you were confidently communicating regardless of the audience, what would that look like? What would that feel like? Versus I've, you know, I have more confidence. How would I measure that? How would I know? Same thing with I'm spending more time with my family. Let's get specific. I'm having dinner with my family four nights a week. I'm going off technology all weekend. And told I told people to text, you know, and I'm texting if it's urgent. Because like one of the biggest problems people are facing is being always on and not sleeping and attached to their phone. So specific and measurable. And this as a concept is hard. You need to see the exercise and you need to see the seven questions. Most people, the output is a one to two page essay as if I'm having lunch with you a year from now, reflecting back on why and how this was such a meaningful year. What got accomplished? How do I feel? What do my relationships look like? And I think that's all I'll say about that. One other thing, sometimes people say, well, can I just answer the questions? Can I just put down bullets? As long as they're bold, specific, and measurable, totally fine. And, and you know, most people don't do that. Most people feel find it more compelling to literally be sitting there January 1st and saying what they're so proud of. But, you know, it's your vision. You could start with professional. You could start with personal. Whatever's going to light you up because you have one life. This is this is so wonderful. And I love this idea of being so having so much detail in there that it's not a two sentences, but it's two pages, right? That you've really articulated out what that future looks like. Okay. So unfortunately we have to wrap up. So Lisa, can you tell us about a great manager that you worked for and what made this person such a fantastic boss? So in my last role running a, a sales team, I worked for a man named David Luenda. And what was so meaningful is that he empowered me to solve problems on my own, helped me figure it out by myself, and have the autonomy to set ambitious goals, 
even if I didn't reach them to go further than any manager would have gone. I used to joke around with him. If something happens to me, hire two people. And, and he appreciated that. And, and, you know, when I did run into challenges, he helped me overcome those roadblocks. He was there when I needed him. And, and, and the same token, I needed to, let's see, move from being too direct with people because it wasn't empowering some people. And he helped me see the cost of, of being that way. So he was not only an effective coach in terms of, you know, my career development and my, my professional growth, but also as a leader, refining my approach and recognizing what was going to work with various talents. So it was awesome to work for him. I just felt like free to achieve and, and also someone that was giving me actionable, candid feedback, which doesn't always happen with the manager. Amazing. And where can people learn more about you and keep up with your work? So they can follow me on LinkedIn. And every other month, we run a free webinar. It's an hour of your time. And we walk people through the bold vision exercise and how it can make a difference for you as a manager. And if you're interested in working and doing this with your team, you could learn more and then set up a call with us to design an engagement. Awesome. And we'll have all those links in the show notes so people can easily find them. Perfect. I love it. And hopefully you'll write a bold vision, Amy. Absolutely. That's my next step. And I, I hope everyone listening will do the same. So thank you so much, Lisa. Really a pleasure to learn with you today. Yes. Thank you for the opportunity. Members of the Modern Manager at the patron level and members of the Modern Manager Skills Accelerator get two months of Fast Forward membership for free. You'll get exclusive access to the same power principles that have helped thousands of professionals play big, manage stress, and achieve extraordinary success. To become a member, go to themodernmanager.com slash join, or head on over to the Skills Accelerator to get tons more support to unleash your managerial greatness. You can find that at themodernmanager.com slash skills accelerator. All the links are in the show notes, and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter. Get that at themodernmanager.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration, and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team. I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.